0: Hello, and welcome to Crane Kick Commentaries. As always, my name is Jake Del Mastro, and I am joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. What's up, Keaton?
1: What's up? Extraterrestrials are above us at all times. Um, I don't know. What's up with you?
0: Uh, you know, uh, not too much. Uh, only living in shame from a, uh, a grave mistake I made on a previous podcast.
1: Uh, yes, yes, uh... A, uh, I believe it was part two of the. It was
0: one of the. It was one of the Barry Lyndon ones.
1: Yeah, Barry Lyndon episode. So what was it? What was your, you know, it's honorable honorable of you to step up and admit when you were wrong. Uh, so let's let's hear it. what what mistake did you make?
0: Okay, so I made the claim that Alexander Courage, uh, you know, composer of the original Star Trek theme had written a soundtrack to 2001 that was not used. Indeed. Uh, my mistake was that I had mixed up my Alexes. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> I was watching Sparkus <laughs> the other day, and I saw in the credits Alex North. Alex North, where have I heard that name before? Yes. And then I realized it was he who had... <laughs> Who had written the unused soundtrack to two thousand one. So, so not Alexander. So Kubrick
1: Church. met or uh, I guess met him on Spartacus and then Yes. Got him to do two thousand one but didn't use it ultimately. Yeah. Ultimately. Ultimately. So yeah, that's uh that's uh that's alright. I think we even used like a bit. We like played the Star Trek music and everything. Yeah, we did. We did, so we did. So going back So you know,
0: I apologize to the listeners.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's any. For, but you know, for
0: this misinformation,
1: I'm sure I've said something incorrect over the course of these yeah, 40 and, episodes.
0: And, and once we find it, you two shall grovel. <laughs>
1: <honest>. <laughs>
0: that's for forgiveness. Indeed, I mean it would
1: probably would not be too hard. But um, anyway.
0: Yeah, um, but anyway, this week we're talking about Stargate again.
1: Stargate.
0: Stargate.
1: Yeah. So. What did we talk about last week? uh, we talked we get like basic facts mostly um and our, yeah, we talked
0: a fair amount about uh the director of Roland Emmerich
1: yeah, yeah, and talked about uh, kind of niche um yeah, well, not niche. we decided it wasn't niche it was a uh, no,
0: it's not really niche, niche is the wrong word. <laughs> he's got a very
1: specific type of movie, let's say
0: yeah exactly, um. Uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about production, and we talked about the cast. Sorry, pre-production, and then Pre-duction, we talked about the cast. Yeah, and then we did music, uh, some Star Trek, and music,
1: and music. Yeah, the music, which was still the best part of the film by far,
0: still the best part of the film. Yes, I agree.
1: Um, but closely followed by some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. So um, basically, so let's just let's just fucking uh, move on to our uh, first segment today, which normally we don't start with this segment. Because it's 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 difficult to what's the word I'm looking for? It's not very palatable Segway? or
0: palatable. Oh, it's not a very palatable. You do to pala- lead off the. Yeah, I see. It's hard. It's a polarizing segment. It's a polarizing it's, uh... segment. Yeah, but it, it
1: but I think this week um it's very we're very on topic and it's desperate that we talk about this. So I think we need to st- talk about something.
0: Okay. Well, are we? Are, we're just gonna talk about what? We're gonna talk about this okay so i don't know there are some strange things going on in this movie and uh you know yeah i i i think i don't think it's hard for anybody to to sort of read between the lines here or or even read on the lines really
1: anybody who's familiar with this podcast can probably you know sense where we're going with this but this is this is this is important so why don't you introduce the segment
0: so this is the truth um this is where we get to the bottom of you know the goings-on and you know sometimes keaton makes up shit about aliens <laughs> <laughs> sometimes
1: <laughs> nothing is made up this week though this is all this is all real stuff
0: these are true facts you are you about to tell me that you know the pyramids were landing pads for alien spacecraft
1: <laughs> i don't tell you that the the evidence speaks for itself um, <laughs> okay. Not it, necessarily it, about that. You though.
0: sound like a certain Doctor Jackson. <laughs>
1: what do you think we're going to talk about? What do you? What is your guess here?
0: I think you're going to talk about ancient aliens? Yes. I, I think you're going to think about the the ancient astronaut theory. Sorry.
1: You. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you did that because I have a point. I was going to be very clear about the the to specify. That, you know, what the layman's call ancient aliens is our topic, but...
0: It's the ancient astronaut theory?
1: Yeah, the scientific community has a different, uh, more sophisticated term.
0: I don't think the scientific... I think the scientific community calls it pseudoscience. So are, yeah, they do.
1: So are, the quote-unquote scientific community have a, have a different name for it. So we're talking about the ancient astronaut theory. I mean, I'm sure you know um, it a bit. I'm sure you've seen the show <laughs> Ancient Aliens. I mean, aliens. I've seen
0: Stargate.
1: no it's seriously we're we're gonna take a look at the genuine uh theory
0: from what i understand um the theory purports that um visitors from other worlds have visited earth in the remote past and uh you know played some role in cultural development (laughs) shall we say
1: yeah exactly so we're gonna spe- specifically here, because obviously, Ancient Aliens covers a lot of different shit. But because of the film we're studying, we're gonna focus specifically on this how this theory pertains to ancient Egypt. Right. Because, as I said, there are dozens of books on the on the subject, uh, which we will get to. But the the Egyptian portion of this theory is probably, understandably, the largest and most flushed out portion. I think, mostly because, uh, you know. The Egyptian culture's been around forever.
0: Yeah, and they left those giant fucking, uh, you know, pyramids in yeah. the middle of the desert. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's true. They're not the only ones to build pyramids, but they're pretty stark in the fucking desert.
0: And they're really old. Yeah, they're
1: really fucking old. How old are they?
0: I uh, think they're like four thousand years old. Is that correct, or is that too old?
1: I think four thousand years ago. Yeah, because it's two thousand years, but yeah,
0: four thousand six hundred years ago. Well, wow. Yeah pretty old that's
1: pretty old
0: (laughs) how'd they move blocks that big
1: yeah i guess like you know the mayans and the incas are probably like the second most the the culture with the second most alien associations
0: yeah i don't know that one i just find kind of weird because it's like they did it like two thousand years later (laughs) like
1: yeah well it's a i mean the mayan anyway this we're not talking about the Mayans and the incas (laughs) no well we'll, we're gonna we're talking about uh uh egypt but you know so as you said the loose concept of uh ancient astronauts prior to its evolution into a full-blown theory is kind of difficult to pin down like where it came from you know what i mean uh you know how egyptology was like kind of ramping up uh in the early 20th century how there were kind of massive leaps in uh you know, archeologic, archaeological digs and uh, excavations, and people were like, you know, raiding tombs and all that shit. Yeah. Basically, that coincided with the rise of science fiction. I think you can kind of imagine how that kind of plays into, into each other. There was obviously kind of a juxtaposition there. But really, the whole ancient astronaut theory comes from one book. Uh, Is
0: it Chariot Chariots of the Gods?
1: chariots of the gods
0: there's a question mark at the end right (laughs) there is a question
1: mark at the end yeah so this book chariots of the gods unsolved mysteries of the past um Mm,
0: i assume it was reading material for dr jackson
1: oh i'm sure it was yeah so this book was written by a swiss hotel manager
0: was it eric von Dineken? that's who it is he's on the tv show (laughs) yeah
1: he's still kicking around doing stuff
0: is he a crazy person i
1: I haven't like watched too much of his video interviews so i'm gonna say yes based on how many books he's written about ancient aliens (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so he's a swiss hotel manager and convicted jewel fraudster um what
0: okay you're gonna need to elaborate on that part
1: uh he served nine months uh In prison in November 1968, von Dänken was arrested for fraud after falsifying hotel records and credit references in order to take out loans for over $130,000 over a period of 12 years. He used the money for foreign travel to research his book.
0: Oh God,
1: that's hilarious. So he, so his book was written with fraud, fraudulent money. Right, and this is the jumping-off point for all subsequent ancient alien study. So this is from Wikipedia, just summarizing the uh, the book. Uh, the main thesis of *Chariots of the Gods* is that extraterrestrial beings influenced ancient technology. Von Dyken suggests that some ancient structures and artifacts appear to reflect more sophisticated technological knowledge than is known or presumed to have existed at the times they were manufactured. Von Dyken maintains that these artifacts were produced by either extraterrestrial visitors or by humans who learned the necessary knowledge from extraterrestrials. Yeah, I started, I was going to read this book even, like, you know, because I want, well, not all of it, but the necessary bits. But then I came across yeah. another book, which was perfect for this this purpose. And this secondary book is called um, The Space Gods Revealed, A Close Look at the Theories of Erich von dyken by Ronald Story.
0: Mm. Okay, tell me about it. So
1: if you have any interest in the subject, Don't waste your time reading Chariots of the Gods.
0: Okay, why not?
1: Read Ronald Story's book instead. Because basically it's like a page-for-page, like, rebuff. It, like, goes through all his points and, like, debunks basically everything he says in that book.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) To be fair, like, there are arguments, like, Ronald Story's book was written in 1976, so it's a bit out of date. And obviously since right. 1976 a lot has changed in the field of Egyptology. but um, let me read you a few excerpts from the chapter in his book about the Great Pyramids just to show you what I mean. Okay in support In support of his ancient astronaut hypothesis, von Dycken makes an astonishing claim that the ancient e- that ancient Egypt appears suddenly and without transition with a fantastic ready-made civilization. That it is without recognizable prehistory,
0: yeah, from what I understand, that's completely untrue, like <laughs> <laughs> i I don't think uh a lot of people fully appreciate like how long the period that we call ancient Egypt is,
1: yeah, exactly, like five thousand years, and that's the fourth dynasty that built the great yeah. pyramids,
0: like there's a long time before the pyramids get built,
1: <laughs> yeah which is hilarious that you say that you say that because the next sentence after uh, he finishes the without recognizable prehistory is is he serious <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i'm sure there are many books written about all this shit before that
1: <laughs> you're you're spot on you're on the money because again the next sentence is if he had looked at almost any one of the approximately 20,000 volumes of books and periodicals that have been written on the subject, he would have realized the absurdity of such a statement.
0: I mean, from what I understand, Eric is a very absurd character.
1: In some respect, yeah. Well, the next thing I was going to talk about was the pyramids, which is the biggest point of contention, I believe.
0: So are the pyramids landing uh pads for alien spacecraft? Um
1: I'm going to go with no in my personal opinion. Okay. Here are some of the reasons that uh Von Dyken uh, argued that they are uh alien products. Okay. That are debunked here. You know, the thing about pie comes up a lot, doesn't it?
0: What about pie? So
1: this is this is this is from a uh, uh, uh stories book. One curious point about the Egyptian pyramids has been seized upon by von Dyken and his disciples. It is a supposition that the ratio pi, 3.14159, was intentionally embodied in the proportions of the Great Pyramid of Cheops, or Khufu. Thus indicating that beings of super intelligence designed it.
0: Wait, so how how is the how is pi related to the proportions of the pyramids? Or how is it purported to be related? Uh, well,
1: here it says 18th century investigators of the Great Pyramid including Piazzi Smith, former astronomer royal for Scotland, made extensive measurements of its dimensions. This data seemed to suggest that the height of the pyramid was in relation to the perimeter of its base as the radius of a circle is to its circumference. That is, the perimeter divided by twice the height equals pi.
0: So is it saying that the... uh, What do they mean by the perimeter of it? Like, they they mean the square sides, or do they mean, like, a circle drawn around the base of the pyramid?
1: I think they mean the actual length of all the sides.
0: So they're saying that the you are saying that. Um, do you know what is the angle of the pyramid? Well, that's the thing. The that's the thing. It.
1: That's what. That's let me. Okay, let me read you this next bit because that's where it gets interesting. In yeah. giving this formula in *Chariots of the Gods*, von Dyken substitutes the word area for perimeter, so he's just incorrect about that. But no matter. There are other problems. <laughs> Since the outer casing stones <laughs> and the tip of the Great Pyramid are missing, it is almost impossible to determine the exact slope of the sides or the true height of the original uh, pyramid. Oh,
0: okay, I see. It
1: says the slope of the pyramid is approximately 52 degrees, and if the margin of for okay, error 52. in computing pi from the above formula is more than one minute of arc... I don't know what that means. Maybe you do. One minute of arc? What does that mean?
0: Okay, so basically... Uh, you know how a clock is divided into hours and minutes? It's it's like it's it's like a certain segment of a it's it's a measure of how
1: angle many session. are in a degree.
0: Okay, so it's one sixtieth of a degree. Sixtieth. So it's like literally like if a degree were an hour. Right.
1: Right. Gotcha. That makes sense. It
0: would be the minutes. There's also arc seconds. Gotcha.
1: But yeah, the point is, if if the margin of error is if if it's one minute of arc off, um, the results will not be pi. So it's kind right. of impossible to say. Also,
0: pi is like, you know, it's 3.14. So you could be like, you know, three is approximately pi. Yeah, three pi. is
1: approximately pi.
0: <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's a stupid argument. I
1: mean, there's more savage debunking. The book like goes on and on and on. It's like a whole book. But, you know, why is this theory talked about so much, do you think?
0: Yeah, it's a cool idea. It's because it's sick. That's why they made this movie about
1: it exactly that's what and as carl sagan has said we shouldn't discount the possibility that extraterrestrials have visited earth at some point in recorded history and i agree with him
0: yeah i mean you shouldn't like immediately say no it could not have happened but you know <laughs> there's not a lot of evidence to support the fact that it did happen <laughs>
1: you no know? not really Um,
0: (laughs) there's no reason particularly for me to think that yes it did happen however you know i'm not discounting it
1: Uh, one of the i don't remember exactly what it was but one of the lines in the book was something along like basically every theory for ancient aliens or ancient astronauts pardon me is more easily explained by something simpler
0: (laughs) pretty much yeah so moving on from Sort of ancient aliens, ancient aliens uh, and all that. Jeff. Now let's get into something that is just as wacky, <laughs> but this time definitely true.
1: Um. Well, I mean, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, this is this is documented. Okay. We are going to talk about the real life Stargate program. Uh, I don't know, Keaton. You, I kind of um. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. Uh, can you, can you sort of like explain? Like so, so the Stargate program was like a actual secret military project. Do you want to kind of explain what that was all about, and hint it had nothing to do with interplanetary travel?
1: <laughs> no. Well, okay. So from but
0: it's even it's much dumber.
1: It is much dumber. Based on the documents, <laughs> it seems it's a it's a it's a a program that began in the seventies. That the whole purpose of it was, well, what, what was the phrase they used? I'm trying to find the document. It was, uh, view, remote viewing. Remote viewing that's what it was, and that basically yeah. means telepathically seeing things while you're not. It's like astral projecting almost. Yeah. Well, it's like um, <sighs> seeing things that aren't that you're not present for. Yes. So. So like.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, like looking at a crystal ball, basically. You exactly.
1: Know? Like literally looking through a crystal crystal ball.
0: <laughs> and so I believe the uh, the US military actually spent two million dollars, I think a year, to basically pay a team of like quote unquote psychics <laughs> to um like come up with intelligence well, for let's them.
1: See the... Yeah, two million for the Stargate program. This this is
0: from the budget that was uh that I found in um, in uh, the FOIA documents, right? Uh, this is actually really interesting cuz like all this was released like really recently. Like um like the program itself was declassified in 1995, yeah. coincidentally right after the movie right came out. After the movie, but yeah. a lot of the documents that we have were only published like in 2017.
1: Yeah, and I think you'll just The best thing about this document that we're talking about, this, uh, well, the, 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 specifically the budget one, I think if you'll click on the, on the link, you'll notice in the margins, they've got a, um,
0: (laughs) SG1. It
1: says SG1, which is awesome. It does say (laughs) SG1. So that's awesome.
0: (laughs) So basically, like, from what I gather, the, the, the reason why this whole thing, like, um, lasted so long like from the 70s until 1995 was essentially because they had this one guy named albert stubblebine who was a general albert stubblebine sorry
1: major general
0: major general albert burt newton stubblebine the (laughs) third um and so basically he was convinced of uh that uh remote viewing was a real thing and that um that you know the US had to use psychic warfare and that you know the Russians were also working on a a psychic uh, warfare experiment which i mean they probably were <laughs> like
1: yeah oh yeah they definitely were come on um
0: yeah like what was i saying so i believe the word that that is often used is is parapsychology to refer to this whole field of study
1: indeed it is parapsychology which is the study of alleged psychic phenomena.
0: Yeah. So so this whole program was run through an intelligence agency that I didn't actually know existed until the other day. And that is the Defense Intelligence Agency. Sir?
1: The Men in Black? What? The Defense Intelligence Agency? The DIA? Yeah, I've never...
0: The DIA. Wow. You know? comes after CIA. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's the next alphabetically. So
0: uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, I do not have a lot of confidence in their, uh, you know, competence.
1: No, they seem like one of those agencies that slipped under the radar. They've been around since 1961, <laughs> so they're one of those weird Cold War ones that has managed to get weird funding for however Yeah, long. so um, around 1994,
0: 1995... It was decided that the Stargate project would be transferred to the CIA, <laughs> and basically, when that happened, that kicks off why it ended up closing. Because basically, what what I gather what happened from reading all these documents is that basically, the CIA, like, uh, took control of this program and found it to be just like an absolute <laughs> waste of money.
1: Yeah, they're annual and they, budget they came is the, classified. Cl-
0: yeah, ex- well, the actual breakdown of the budget is classified, right? But we know the total was yeah, two million, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, well,
1: of the Stargate program, I mean, the annual budget of the whole DIA is classified.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a red flag.
1: Yeah, that's not good.
0: So, but anyway, so the CIA <laughs> took control of this program, and and they came up with this uh, this report that I believe you read some of, right, Keaton? Yeah. And so basically, uh, they concluded that um, even if uh, remote viewing was possible. <laughs> Yes, it is not valuable to produce uh, intelligence. It is not a viable way of producing intelligence. Which
1: is yeah, that's fantastic. My favorite thing about this whole thing is they they summer in the executive summary that they start it with is they start with the sentence: "Studies of paranormal phenomena have always been associated with controversy." It's.
0: <laughs> I just find it funny that like you know. The CIA, who is like you know, we generally think of as you know, um,
1: they're pretty out there.
0: They're pretty out there. They took control of this project and were just like, "No, we're shutting it down. Yeah, this, this is too this is, too dumb. This
1: is too out there." Yeah. Like uh, this is quite a long, uh, quite a long document, though. So anyone who's interested should should really look it up.
0: Sorry, uh, what was what was the document doing, right now again? Is that the?
1: Uh... Oh, what specific document? The American Institute for Research document. The uh, an okay, evaluation of remote viewing research and applications by okay. uh, Michael B. because on Albert. on the
0: CIA website they have all sorts of documents <laughs> um, oh, like related to this like FOIA request right that they released in 2017 yeah and uh, one of the ones I was looking at is uh, what evaluation of project um, and and this is uh, basically them going over some of the intelligence they gathered right and like. Uh, evaluating it so this is about some intelligence they received about a uh a series of smuggling operations underway involving the shipment of multi-ton quantities of cocaine from colombia to mexico <laughs> okay the previously supplied tail number was from an aircraft that had been previously associated with this activity um
1: so wait they- and then there's a they crystal ball and an air number of a plane. Is that what I'm? So
0: I'm. Saying? I'm what I think is that the uh, the people had been, they had seen that number before, right? And they said, "Oh, that plane has the same number." Because it says it was a previously supplied tail number.
1: Ah, uh, previously supplied. As mm-hmm.
0: as in, it's not from this remote viewing session.
1: Gotcha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit later, but that actually has to do with like uh, one of the ways that they kind of. um Decided that there were some flaws with their method But anyway, so then we have so we have three like basically facts in quotes in this in this thing that they're evaluating Okay, Uh sg1a, which is the thing about the cocaine and the airplane sg1h, which is redacted
1: (laughs) Because it is too stupid to to put in
0: no because this is the one that they said was uh, parts possibly true and untrue and of some value. Oh fuck um, and so three uh was that uh they asked for a aircraft e t a an exact destination in Mexico. This information, even though we cannot confirm it to be true, was very much appreciated, <laughs> so they go over accuracy information and they have like you know source a possibly true, source b parts possibly true <laughs> and untrue, and then source c possibly not true. <laughs> And so then Thanks they break it that. down further to see like how valuable is this information. Right. So obviously the information that's like you know the most
1: most uh, valuable the most
0: true the possibly true one is of low value. Source B parts possibly true and untrue and part untrue so part is definitely not true. But parts might be true. <laughs> they graded that of of some value.
1: Some value. And
0: source C, is the most they graded. Vague
1: grading system. The possibly
0: true. Sorry, possibly not true. They graded that to be of low value.
1: Right. Well, yeah, no shit.
0: Well, I mean, something can be valuable but not true, right?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So, but anyway, it seems like this is a pretty common thing with this whole program that they received a lot of intelligence that was possibly true but of little value yeah or shit that was just outright false
1: yeah right so overall yeah
0: and and there was also um uh at one point they were also part of this program was to assess the uh the russian uh, ability of uh remote viewing
1: oh yeah of course yeah well of course you gotta do that
0: and so but uh, in another evaluation document i saw they said that they were uh they recommended that they not move forward with this evaluation because it has been evaluated that remote viewing is a little danger sorry, of, of is a, a low threat level to the United <laughs> States
1: essentially. So they don't, it, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly.
0: It turns out that um the people working at the Stargate project. Yeah. Uh you know uh did not necessarily follow the best like you know scientific experiment design
1: i'm shocked
0: and uh it, it's uh it's been um con- constantly uh sort of um they've been accused of information leaking <laughs> where uh <laughs> where they accidentally reveal uh information to their Supposed
1: psychics. That's hilarious! Oh my god. then
0: basically Say it back to them? <laughs> the Star, yeah, The Stargate project just seems like a fucking disaster. It sounds like, like yeah,
1: a, a real uh, like a train out of control, with two million yeah. dollars annually.
0: So, but let me tell you more about Albert Stubblebine, General Albert Stubblebine,
1: Major General Albert Stubblebine <laughs> yeah. the Third.
0: So, um, apparently he, uh, he required. Everybody in his, sorry, all of his battalion commanders to learn how to bend a spoon.
1: <laughs> That's fucking sick, dude. Is that, yeah, hot? so he had nobody in his under his command then? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: um, and he apparently, uh, attempted to, uh, do psychic, uh, to perform some psychic tasks himself. Uh this includes this a- <laughs> awesome. allegedly walking through walls oh, fuck, yeah. levitation and dispersing distant clouds with his mind.
1: This dude was a fucking general.
0: Yeah, and uh in 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 nineteen eighty uh uh sorry, nineteen eighty four, uh the um I guess the higher ups were uh getting a little bit nervous about this guy. Yeah. So they forced him into early retirement. <laughs> so this is this, so the Stargate program actually continued after, after he, he retired, was gone, right? But yeah, so he was also involved in a project what what is often referred to as the uh, the first Earth Battalion. Fuck
1: yes, what is that?
0: He worked on a project from 1981 to 1984 to create a new breed of super soldier, which would have the ability <laughs> to become invisible and walk through walls. Predator <laughs> um, but yeah, so needless to say, uh this was the last project you worked on, yeah, in the Army. that
1: makes sense, yeah, and I think they were like, uh get him out of here, this is this guy's yeah, you know? crazy,
0: <laughs> yeah uh but yeah that's uh that's that's all I think we need to know about Albert several but um yeah, this is just a wacky, wacky situation that i I can't believe it's true. Yeah. And the fact that it's also called the Stargate Project.
1: Yeah, the fact that it's called the Stargate Project. Well, I mean, we we may have, like, you know, because this is like a double opportunity truth situation, just because, yeah. I'm sure you noticed, that this story was also developed into a, into a movie.
0: Oh, yeah, The Men Who Stare at Goats? Yes. Well, a book first, yeah. <laughs> and then a movie. But okay but like uh, i believe that in that it's 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 covers more than just the stargate project
1: yeah yeah i think it's a, a more The
0: stargate project i think was specifically remote viewing yeah exactly but i believe that there's actually a character based on albert solomon in the movie yeah
1: oh that's hilarious
0: <laughs> but yeah like um i don't know that's all i think we have to say about a stargate program like there's so many documents here yeah we about, could we like, could pour through the documents, documents for a while. yeah i have not even scratched the surface on reading these
1: yeah but let's let's move on to talking about the movie
0: yeah yeah sorry i think we should get to
1: that yeah <laughs> um but yeah so now that that's thankfully out of the way we can actually talk a bit more about stargate because there's a lot of fucking fun stuff about this movie
0: oh yeah there's a lot here and it's clear they spent a lot of money on this. Yeah,
1: it really is. <laughs> uh, so should we talk about the production a bit? Yeah, so sure. So where we, we kind of just ended with casting last time,
0: right? Yeah. We have all our cast and we're uh, good to good to go and start shooting the movie. I guess. Well, I mean, you know, first they got to build some sets. Well, don't yeah, there's right?
1: sets and designs. So the Stargate was like one of the first things they were working on, obviously.
0: Right, naturally, it's in, it's the name of the movie, you know. Well,
1: Star is the name of the movie, but yeah, yeah, it's very similar. But originally, it's designed to be a pyramid.
0: That's really weird. Like, is it a like? It's not There's really a, a pyramid gate. with
1: the point facing downwards too. What? Yeah, So it's like you couldn't. It would be even harder to step through.
0: I just don't understand how that works. Like, well, I mean, I, yeah, obviously they replaced it with a fucking ring, so <laughs> that, really that makes work, sense. But...
1: <laughs> Now, I mean basically the second they were like figured out that they wanted to have like a, a um like symbol keys, you know, like a series of symbols unlock it. They they were like, oh we just need to fucking do a yeah. circle so there can be like an inner rotation.
0: It's it's not it's it's not a combination. It's a destination.
1: Oh yeah, my mistake, sorry. <laughs>
0: Come on, you know. I feel like you haven't studied the, the works of Dr. Jackson here.
1: I I honestly have. <laughs> So I when we first, when we first wrote down uh, the outline for this episode, um, I noticed in the production section you wrote two things. You wrote big ass dome, and then you wrote Arizona, <laughs> and that's one hundred percent true. Yep,
0: yep. That's 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 basically the two places where yeah. they shot it. So
1: let's start with the big ass dome.
0: Okay, so. Uh, from what I read essentially they because this, the the sets they wanted to use and build had to be really really big they couldn't shoot it in a normal studio. Yeah. So they found this uh this dome in uh in LA. That was actually designed to hold the largest aircraft ever built. The Spruce Goose. Yeah. So um they did a lot of their sets for like the uh the military base and shit in the uh inside interior here of the dome so i was wondering why the dome was empty and why they were able to shoot in it right and that's because they moved the spruce goose
1: so so the spruce goose only flew one time right
0: that's as far as i know i i mean i don't know i didn't really look into it because it was kind of a sidetrack it's kind of gonna sidetrack us but anyway my thoughts was like it's very interesting uh, which is why I'm going to dedicate five seconds to yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're
1: going to talk about it
0: a little bit. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, which it's just like, so this is the largest aircraft ever built, although technically that's not true anymore. It's the largest but it was wooden for aircraft
1: time. ever built still. Because I believe it was okay, built that's... in 1947.
0: It was. Um, and so now it is on display at the uh National Air and Space Museum in Washington, DC. That's uh Yeah. It was in LA. And now it's over twenty five hundred miles away in Washington, DC on the other coast.
1: How did, How did, like, did they it, move it? I have no they idea. They must have like taken it apart and like trucked it I don't bit know. by bit.
0: I mean they cer sur- I don't think they flew it. <laughs> I would feel very weird about flying at Fifty year no, old. It, it only, play? It, I
1: think it only had one flight, and that was one mile in yeah. nineteen forty seven. Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, that's anyway. the Spurs
1: Goose. What what what's really relevant here is the empty hangar that it left behind.
0: Yeah, the big dome. And
1: Stargate was was the second film to use this empty hangar for a film set. The first film was the last action hero.
0: Oh, was that? Yeah, because Arnold.
1: Arnold, apparently there was like they they were forced to move inside at last minute due to some like horrible weather for the last yeah, action for hero. last action hero um it yes. was huge like to put into perspective it was uh um five times bigger than the largest stage at warner bros studios
0: yeah so definitely like you know they could build some pretty big exactly. sets exactly
1: and and that's super important for like a lot of reasons
0: yeah so so specifically which sets were in the dome
1: basically every interior in the film, besides oh, okay. the speech that James Spader gives at, because that was filmed at like a hotel, I assume that's at a hotel or something.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But literally every other interior was inside the dome.
0: Wow. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, like the uh, the big Stargate room and everything. Yeah, like, like the, uh, the the
1: military base.
0: Like that. That's big, big. but it's not. It's not that big.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But like, if you have that, and then you have the interior for the the throne room. Yeah. And you have the. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, I guess you you can't you can't just like build the set and then destroy it and then build another one. You kind of have to have them all built in parallel. Otherwise, it'd take you forever.
1: Yeah, and like the way they were describing it, it's like you can just you can just like it's so much easier because when you're done shooting, as opposed to like loading all your actors and all your whatever you need and like driving to another set for you know.
0: You just walk into the next room.
1: You just like turn all your shit around to the set that's like behind you.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's cool, it actually.
1: a lot of time and money.
0: That must have been really difficult to light.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they only paid... They, they paid 000, just over $500,000 for this dome, which is pretty fucking cheap to, to rent, rent the dome. The um, because the next yeah. film to shoot there was the uh, Val Kilmer Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> and they paid a lot more. I couldn't get an exact number, but the producer said that they paid significantly more than Stargate did.
0: I don't know. Presumably, I I don't know. I My guess is that, like, you know, they weren't really using the Dome for anything. And then they didn't kind of realize that, like, this could be a viable, like, option yeah, for them. Yeah, it's like a perfect to, to make money off the Dome. Yeah, exactly. And so they were like, okay, you know, now that people actually want to use the Dome, let's, uh, let's jack up the price yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> before, I guess it would have just been, like, Oh well, we don't have any use for this dome now that we moved those screws. Yeah, what are we gonna do with
1: this fucking dome? <laughs> so yeah, so those are the interiors, um, and they were pretty uh fucking easy in comparison to everything else.
0: Yeah, why? Why would that be?
1: So let's us let's jump quickly back to your the second point that you uh that you that that you put at the beginning of all this, Arizona,
0: <laughs> Arizona, yes. So, uh, basically, they all the desert scenes and everything were shot in Yuma, Arizona, in the middle of summer, during the hottest months of the year.
1: Yeah. I can't...
0: Their reason being that, apparently, these dunes near Yuma, Arizona, are a popular spot for, uh, like, dune... Like, what do you call that? Dune buggies? Dune buggies, yeah. And so, uh, they needed to get a, uh, uh, they needed to find a time where there was no tourists around. So the
1: dead of summer is the only time to do it because you'd have to be crazy to be out on the dunes.
0: Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) it's pretty hot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What Kurt Russell said, it got up to, and you know, take what he says with a grain of salt because it's Kurt Russell talking about it years later. Um, but he said it got up to 130, 140 Fahrenheit. Um. Which in real metrics is approximately 54 to 60 degrees Celsius. Yeah,
0: well. I mean, you, you understand Celsius is also an arbitrary yeah, scale. Yeah, whatever. Right.
1: <laughs> it's our <laughs> arbitrary scale. <Anyway. laughs>
0: so, 130 to 40 Fahrenheit, which is about 54 to 60 Celsius. Yeah,
1: that's fucking hot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's incredibly hot. Um, that. Let me just check something.
1: Are you googling hottest recorded temperature in Yuma, Arizona?
0: No, I'm checking. Okay, so that's that's obviously false.
1: What he said? What did he say? Or what is? What did you look up? He said,
0: "I, I um, I looked up hottest temperature on Earth."
1: <laughs> oh, it's Death Valley, right? It's like fifty-seven degrees.
0: Fifty-six point seven Celsius, yeah. one hundred thirty-four Fahrenheit. Yeah. So. I, it's fair to say that he's like, uh, exaggerating a little bit, but I would not be surprised if it was like, you know, in and around 40 to 50 yeah, Celsius. Yeah, the, I
1: would, I would buy that. Uh, let's see. Hottest recorded. Yeah, which is
0: incredibly fucking
1: temperature hot. Temperature in Yuma, Arizona.
0: Hottest temperature in Phoenix. Uh, okay. Um, was 122
1: degrees, 122 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. This is a U.S. Yeah, yeah thing, well, I mean, right? we're talking about U.S. city, so
1: yeah. Uh... The hottest recorded temperature in Yuma, Arizona, is 124 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Jesus, fucking twenty. Christ. So I mean, 20th of July, 1995.
0: It's hot. So wait, 140 what? 124. And that was okay. a year
1: after yeah. this film was made that okay. that was recorded. Um,
0: so yeah, Kurt Russell's exaggerating, but not, not by, that, by much. that much.
1: Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> 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 I mean, Kurt Russell doesn't exaggerate. We know that. Um,
0: yeah, he definitely. tells
1: him like he, he calls him like he sees him. Even if yeah. those sees him are triangular yeah, yeah, yeah. lights floating over phoenix oh god 1997 um what were we talking about yeah speaking of arizona (laughs) kurt russell (laughs) aliens jesus christ man like this movies it's all coming together it's all fucking coming together man (laughs) wait what year did he see the
0: 1990 case
1: i think that's when the phoenix lights were i'm not gonna look it up but
0: It was 1997, because it happened to also be the same year as the movie. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Man in Black, baby.
0: That's why you brought it up. Um, Anyway. Yeah, so the crew apparently had to drink, like, up to five gallons of water every day. Yeah, and
1: one of the guys who was being interviewed said that they would drink that much water and not pee once, because they were just sweating it all out. Which is, like, a gross fact, but still. Point is, it was hot.
0: I hope they had air conditioned Oh, trailers. God, I hope
1: so. Well, that's the thing is, like, um, I totally, I, I forgot to put this in the outline, but, like, they, um, like, all their equipment was getting, like, stuck in the sand. Like, you couldn't, like, drive over the fucking dunes very well, so you had to, like, they had to drag equipment, you know, by hand. And Ugh. one of the other things they were saying is, obviously, footprints were such a huge issue, because it needed to be totally yeah. pristine. Like that sound? Like, <laughs> did you did you see that bit?
0: I saw the little bit, yeah. So, because um, every time you do a take, right, and you're saying like two guys walk across the desert yeah. or whatever, right? They're gonna leave footprints behind as yeah, they walk, out, right? Very clearly. So, so what do you do if you fuck up the take? And you need to do it again. You gotta get rid of those footprints, <laughs> right? <laughs> Otherwise, there's just gonna be yeah. footprints everywhere. <laughs> So apparently they tried like all sorts of things. They tried like blasting it with like air and shit like that, and all sorts of different things. But what they ended up having to do was just basically get a bunch of guys there with brooms to just sweep all the footprints. Yeah, away. like there's this
1: great like making of documentary that we're basically just quoting all of this from. But like it's got if if you're interested, you should watch it. It's got footage of them doing it, <laughs> and there's just like twenty guys yeah. like on the dunes, just like going backwards, sweeping over the fucking...
0: It's like that scene in Spaceballs when they're <laughs> in the desert.
1: It's like that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and they tried like a helicopter, he said? Yeah, it's weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes me think, like, how much fucking money did they just have like, to throw oh, around? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like,
1: like uh, what if you hover a helicopter over it? Like, who?
0: Oh, that didn't work. Okay. <laughs> Like, <laughs>
1: like, now we pay for like a helicopter not, oh shit, we spent fifty grand on a helicopter today, yeah <laughs> but yeah, all this heat makes me feel particularly bad for the horse that had to play that beast so so they had yeah. a horse playing the beast. did you know that did you what did you think when you first watched this movie
0: i I don't know, I assumed it was like a puppet or something like that, like kind of like Jurassic Park or yeah, something like well. That.
1: I kinda of thought based on the way it ran, I kinda of thought it was like two guys in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like yeah. all the more disappointing. Yeah, I can see Because that. it like it was actually a horse who like had to
0: Yeah. Covered in this
1: big had to endure that weather. Um so poor while wearing a exactly. big suit. Exactly, and they said, apparently they said the horse like sweat so much that the costume got like really heavy and difficult to handle. It's just like, oh my God, this poor fucking horse. And it like wasn't for anything yeah. because it didn't even look that good, you know? Like it like it did look... I don't know, I thought it looked okay. Kind of looked, it looked good for what it was. Like, but I thought it was just two guys in a suit is my point, you know? Right. Like yeah, they could yeah, have yeah. achieved this. I mean, I guess it would have looked a lot worse with two guys in a suit, but... Yeah.
0: Well, it wasn't just a horse, though, was it?
1: <laughs> no, it was not. Yeah. So, you know, the the scene where, uh, I'd have forgotten his name already, where James Spader gets dragged through the dune. Where Daniel, Daniel Jackson? Spader gets dragged through the dunes. So, obviously, they weren't going to drag James Spader through the dunes behind a horse. No. So, what did they do instead?
0: Or behind anything, for that matter. No. <laughs> they built a tiny James Spader. Uh, like a uh, like a doll. Yeah. And it's like uh, it's like <laughs> they got it's him like pulled. a foot and a half. Yeah, like a small dummy. Yeah, like a about like you know sixty percent scale yeah. or whatever, right? And instead of using a a horse, they use a dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just think that that's. That was somewhat like pretty impressive to me because I didn't realize we were looking at something exactly. that was smaller. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah. I mean?
1: That, I loved that. Like
0: what's really cool is that like, I would have thought the dome, the dome, the dunes would have looked like different right exactly. at that scale, but that no. was such
1: a cool revelation.
0: I guess they just found smaller looking dunes so that in relation it would look about the same. Yeah,
1: no, totally. And and we'll talk about the miniature work a little bit more later on, but it's, uh, yeah, but it was really yeah, impressive. Really fucking impressive. I do feel bad for the dog as well, um, because it had to wear the costume. I feel slightly less bad for the dog, because it, a dog tearing through the dunes kind of seems like a good time for a dog. That's, again, I think I think it was pretty cruel to both of these animals to have them. Like, that's my final take on it. I think it was, they shouldn't have had either. Right. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they had, like, maybe they did have, like, a, an air-conditioned trailer like 2 feet away that like you know the animals were only exposed to the heat right. for 20 minutes at a time but I
0: don't know like I'm I'm pretty sure there's some pretty rigorous like uh requirements for like having animals on set Yeah well I mean like ever since you know a couple of certain bad incidents in the early history yeah, of film Yeah
1: <laughs> a couple what was the, there was like a, a movie where they just like like drove like 16 horses off a cliff for like one shot or something
0: was it the original Ben Hur? Oh yeah, all well, that too.
1: Was that was it the
0: Yeah. Not the not the one no, with no. Charlton Heston, the yeah. silent one. The one with Charlton Heston actually, apparently the horses were like treated really well because because in the original Ben Hur so many horses yeah. died. I mean So they wanted to like make up for it, didn't I guess.
1: Did the guy die in Ben Hur as well though?
0: Uh, yes, a guy got killed by horses. God, <laughs>
1: fuck, you just can't.
0: So I, I guess horse, horse revenge? Yeah,
1: so Ben-Hur too, the revenge of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
0: Anyway, that's tangential, uh, but.
1: The point is horses like the cold. I won't read that, I won't get into that, but horses like it cold. But yeah, the exterior sets were pretty fucking spectacular.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, the fucking, they actually built a fucking giant pyramid.
1: No, I don't think they built the pyramid. What did they do? They built the thing in front of the pyramid like the temple bit
0: then where was the pyramid i think the
1: pyramid was uh added in later but based on the images i saw it looked like they it looked like they they only built the um okay the uh the front bit but still that's 90 feet tall
0: i guess that's all they had to interact with right but yeah that's still impressive
1: but like building it was a nightmare
0: yeah so so they were having issues with the heat uh specifically for building
1: (laughs) yeah like The steel beams would get so hot, like during the you know middle of the day, that you couldn't actually touch them to build it. So they had to, they had to do all the construction between the hours of two and two and eleven (laughs) a.m.
0: Jeez, like given all the things I'm hearing about the heat, like I'm kind of surprised, like the film in their cameras didn't like melt or something like that. Like
1: yeah, you must be right. There must have been like a refrigerated (laughs) fucking like trailer clearly the yeah. money was not much of an issue here
0: no definitely not
1: yeah but that temple wasn't the fucking only thing they built though because they built the fucking lost city as well they did not the whole thing though.
0: yeah this was really impressive to me yeah no t- totally so the lost city is considerably smaller than it actually looks like they only built about six buildings yeah. and then like the wide shot is actually a really good miniature
1: yeah the miniatures as we said earlier in this film are so good
0: they're very convincing like i had no idea how many miniatures were in this until i looked into these uh production exactly
1: yeah exactly
0: because you don't even realize that they're miniature yeah exactly
1: you got like the city the dog
0: (laughs) the dog yeah exactly
1: but yeah so like the the city that they built like what they actually the actual set itself was basically just like the gate you know the two buildings that the gate was between yeah exactly and then exactly. like the, the street going backwards they had like six buildings or something
0: yeah uh, yeah and then the rest was just inter
1: yeah exactly but apparently the miniature was so good that after the movie came out um they kept getting calls from from production people wanting to know where the city was so that they could shoot in it
0: that's hilarious <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, did they build a miniature in the middle of the... the
1: They filmed it on location. I don't know if they built it there, but they brought it there and filmed it in the dunes.
0: That's cool. So they also found, like, smaller dunes so that it would look to scale, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, this just continues to be a theme that they had, like, uh, lots of heat issues.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, basically every issue you can think of that has to do with heat and large groups of people.
0: Yeah, um, essentially they had issues when they were filming the, um, the battle at the end. Yeah. Uh, because they had so many extras, which were all wearing like these heavy costumes. Yeah, exactly. And, and they would have like issues where, uh, where, you know, the extras would film one day and then they would just disappear <laughs> the next day because they just didn't want to come back.
1: Yeah. Uh, what did the pr- the production call it? An issue with attrition.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, geez, they must have spent so much money just getting extras. Yeah,
1: well, they, it was such an issue that like they like tried to uh, put like a bunch of stick figures in cloth, like they made miniatures. <laughs> <and> <laughs> that's put hilarious. Them in the background. Apparently, it looked horrible though, so they didn't use it. So, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't move, exactly. right? It's not,
1: not the same
0: yeah definitely um
1: so the prop designer whose name we can't find is fucking good
0: i mean there are several okay the first guy who's credited on V here is patrick aiello who may be, could the right be that guy, guy. <laughs> could be that guy uh he's a prop maker but there, there are several there. right
1: yeah i mean i guess it yeah it's ridiculous to assume that there's only one but
0: it's not one guy who made all the no, no, but
1: but the guy responsible for designing like uh the gliders and the uh the helmets and all that excellent work specifically the uh the gliders was what i wanted to start with
0: Uh um, right about these
1: gliders well so apparently emmerich was adamant that the gliders be like look like you know they wouldn't be able to fly, like be antithetical to the 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 physics of flight. He thought that was like,
0: right. He
1: thought that was a
0: for for any particular reason, or just because he thought it was. He cool. thought it
1: was cool. I guess it was more alien if you like if it was if you couldn't understand. Like I kind of I get it, you know, if if from a human like we understand flight in a certain way. Yeah, from definitely. our technology, so it would be way more alien if something that didn't look like it could fly was flying. But
0: yeah, definitely.
1: But that was vetoed.
0: Yeah, so uh, essentially, the producer Kasar uh, like saw them right and was just like, "That would never fly. <laughs> you can't use that."
1: Yeah, because well, they look like fucking anvils. They literally look like anvils. They look anvils, don't, anvils fly. don't fly. They're these big like grey boxes.
0: Yeah, so they came up with the uh the glider. B- b-
1: uh the way they came up with it was pretty cool though. Because it was kind of an accident.
0: Um I don't know if I uh if I know the story.
1: So originally the uh the uh the the prop designer was working on like a belt buckle for Raw and it yeah. it, it was like kind of like a scarab with uh the wings coming off of them. Yeah. So yeah. So he he brought the belt buckle to the to Emmerich and the producers just to you know have them sign off of it, and they were like, "Hey, wait a second. And they like turned it on its side, and it kind of has this like glidery look to it. And they're like, "Well, there's your glider." So Tuh. there you go. That's how they made that. So I'm sure you've seen this one because this came up like a, a dozens of times while I was researching this movie. David Davidson's costume.
0: The the really like weird. Uh, like...
1: The detail about his nipple rings or his nipple piercings was yeah. it rings or piercing? I
0: don't, I don't know. I mean, we never saw them in exactly, the film. yeah. But
1: I feel like I read both. I
0: mean, presumably they were piercings of some kind. They may have been rings.
1: I feel like that that could have been on theme though. But clearly they they intended
0: it could have been, but clearly they they didn't they didn't want it like that. They
1: intended to show his nipples. But unfortunately, yes. they had to cover it, them because of these piercings.
0: Well, but <laughs> didn't he refuse to take yeah, them out? He refused to
1: take them out. They asked him to take him, them out, and he said no. But, like, you never know. Maybe. Even for $1 million? <laughs> Maybe he would have done it for another million.
0: <laughs> yes Okay. Okay. You give me $2 million. I'll take
1: out <laughs> the nipple rings. He should have, because <laughs> they might have done it. Like, fuck, they got a helicopter. <laughs> they might have. They might have. Yeah, that's true. So finally or not finally, sorry, there's two more things. Uh in the production segment before we move on, uh, that I wanted to talk about. And that's the uh, the first one's the henchman helmets, because those were so fucking sick. Yes.
0: So I can't remember. In the um when they came off, they actually like retracted and shit like that, right? Yeah,
1: they like kinda like turn into this like weird uh,
0: uh thing. But uh but Raw's like was just like a face morph right yeah yeah
1: yeah well on both on both of okay. them both of those like the retraction is the only uh uh yeah. visual effect of of the helmet oh, okay everything else is is practical
0: okay so they they did you see cgi for the
1: for the retraction yeah for the retraction um okay but yeah like in everything
0: just because i'm thinking in the in the tv show they actually uh they made helmets that actually retract. Oh, did they
1: really I wonder.
0: Yeah. I think they simplified the design of it so that it would be easier to do, but yeah. That's fucking sick.
1: Yeah. I want to see that. I'm going to look that up after this. <laughs> Cuz I was like yeah. super fascinated by this. I don't know why I love this so much. It looks so cool. Like with the re- so it was all radio controlled so you could control like the ear panels that like went up and down to make it look like they were listening. You could like rotate the head around so it was like looking around. You could dilate the red people. Sick.
0: So it was like a like a robot. Yeah, helmet. so sick. That's pretty. cool. And like the
1: actors moving their like neck around, they could like you know control vaguely where it looked, and then the person right. controlling it with the remote control uh, did the details. But I I love that sort of thing. That's so cool. Yeah, it's just really really cool. One day we're gonna do an episode about the uh, uh well several episodes about the Ninja Turtles, and we'll talk about that extensively
0: oh god yeah that's 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 an example of it they did they have uh run controlled eyes
1: yeah there's like what eight guys six guys working the
0: yeah eight guys anyway, that's a doing
1: well we gotta save that for when we do the ninja turtles
0: we'll save that for when we do the ninja turtles
1: so finally is the uh the spaceship yeah they worked really hard on the spaceship trying to make it a practical effect yeah but they failed yeah you know fair enough. <laughs> <You> can't <laughs> do everything practical as this movie proves, um,
0: although they did actually build uh, a model, yeah, they built a bunch of models, yeah, of the spaceship.
1: Uh, but eventually, like the actual like landing, they ended up doing CG. <laughs> to, to which Emmerich said to the to what's his name? <laughs> so he said to the to the effects designer, he said, "It better look good, or you're gonna be in big trouble."
0: Yeah, and then he was like, "It'll look good."
1: It, it did look good. It looked actually, it looked sick.
0: Yeah, that's another thing. It's like I didn't even realize. Because uh, the inter was also a miniature, wasn't it?
1: Of the uh, of which?
0: Of the spaceship. When they were opening up the hatches oh, and shit Oh, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was done on a miniature, exactly. yeah. That's another thing I didn't realize was a miniature because they cut back to the the full-size one and you didn't even notice the difference, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah.
1: Such well-made miniatures. Yeah, it's like there's a lot
0: of stuff in this film about like cgi and miniatures and then the full-size set like seamlessly going back and forth between the two and it, it all looks really good
1: like that's where this movie succeeds like where the where this i th- and i think that's kind of like uh emmerich's kind of sweet spot is <laughs> like
0: what it's sort of like where the story might be like a little i don't know not even like this like you know the concept of it is, the super concept cool.
1: is awesome which is why we'll talk about later yeah it spawned millions of millions of, not millions but you know what i mean it, a, it's franchise.
0: Fun, a lot of fun franchise um but it's like yeah the concept is really cool and like the execution of you know the visual aspect is also really cool but you know the, the <laughs> details and there the might script. Be, like, some stupidity to the actual script yeah right? exactly maybe we're blaming the wrong person
1: what do you mean who
0: maybe it's dean devlin's fault
1: oh, they co-wrote it though didn't they no, oh,
0: yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they were a team,
1: but yeah, he he. We're, we bring up Emmerich more than the other than Devlin because Emmerich was the director, but they share the blame for this script.
0: They do. They definitely do. <laughs> nah, man. Send send my regards to King Todd, asshole. It's <laughs> the best line in the movie. That is man.
1: a sick line. But yeah, so there you go. That's kind of the the production, but. You know, we have a lot more in that vein to talk about, but it's under the uh, umbrella of a different segment, I believe.
0: So I guess we should get into like, you know, a little more of the nitty gritty details about, you know, how they shot it. Wait, that's the wrong frame, right? Twenty-four frames per second. There you this go. is a cinematic fucking. That's the sound you need. Thing here. All right. Here we go. Let's talk about how they shot it. All right. It was not shot on something like this.
1: <laughs> Pray tell, what was it shot on? Film, I imagine.
0: It. Well, yes given the the date. Uh, the date so it was it was shot on 35 millimeter film specifically in cinemascope
1: cinemascope
0: which is uh anamorphic uh 35 millimeter 2.35 to 1 ratio
1: ah uh, yes do we we discussed anamorphic on a previous
0: yes episode. so i'm basically the only thing that uh i want to specify is that why it's specifically cinemascope? Okay. And and it it's it's not just anamorphic is that cinemascope is the specific process for 35mm that uses a two times anamorphic optics.
1: What? Say that again. It's
0: it's basically most anamorphic movies are cinemascope, but cinemascope is a specific process that uses a two times anamorphic lens.
1: And how does that differ from regular? Is, is, is... No, the,
0: it, is, it is the normal system for anamorphic. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but, um, so, for example, you mentioned also when we were talking about Kubrick that he did Spartacus anamorphic. Yes. But that was not CinemaScope.
1: I see. What was that?
0: That was Technorama. Or Super Technorama or something Cinemascope like Super...
1: These all sound like fake things. These sound like made-up things.
0: Well, they're... What can I say, man? <laughs> they're not. They had to come up with uh, names. Uh, You'd think all these it.
1: creatives would have been able to come up with better names.
0: But yeah, you know, it's uh, this is the standard process for, like, you know, a sci-fi epic that you would expect. Right. You
1: know? And why why is that
0: well just you know you get a very wide frame wide field of view you know you could put all sorts of big things on screen right, you got you know? big things you don't need like to, vistas don't need to show a lot like, of
1: little yeah. details yeah i guess
0: <laughs> um it, yeah you know you you can have like you know giant armies and shit and fit them all in one frame gotcha gotcha specifically this was shot with panavision cameras Ooh. as many uh Many films of the time were, especially of this budget. The director of photography was Carl Walter Lindelaub. Lindenlaub? L Lindelau? Lindenlaub. Yeah. German guy. Uh worked on a lot of uh movies with Roland Emmerich. Uh, as they do. Including some of the ones in that he did in Europe. Oh yes. And he did yeah. what?
1: He did Independence Day as well. Yes, I saw The Princess, and I assumed it was going to be The Princess Bride, but it was actually The Princess Diaries, which is a different film. Yeah,
0: very different movie. Different vibe. <laughs> yeah. Still good. Yep. First assistant camera... Wait, what? Who was it? The First assistant camera was Gary Scott. Gary Scott.
1: I feel like that name's come up before.
0: No, probably has not. <laughs> 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 uh... Uh, he has worked on a couple different movies, mostly as first assistant camera. Yeah, but I also I also want to point out that you know, he's not the only first AC on this movie. <laughs> right. Despite being the first AC, it would imply that there's only one of you, or you're you know,
1: it's it's a singular thing. Wouldn't there be a second no, AC? No, but
0: you see, there is a second AC, but they do a completely different job. Okay. They're the the clapper.
1: Okay.
0: I also want to talk about the uh, the other first AC for the model unit.
1: Oh shit, that's a, a so, totally so, different job. So
0: Michael J. Walker had had his own work cut out for him here.
1: Yeah, that's a whole different can of worms. Because that's
0: a huge part part of this movie, right? Yeah,
1: they had a whole other unit for the miniatures.
0: Oh, and uh, oh, they had a couple. Also, Terry Mose.
1: Do you think people just quit because it was so hot? I don't know. Do you think it was just
0: they had a bunch? It seems like they had a, a bunch of first day seasons this movie, which is really weird.
1: Maybe it is because maybe they had huge crew turno- turnover.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, or just they had a diff- uh, they had a big crew, right? Yeah. So, there's not that much to say about like the cinematography in this movie, except for that it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's it's fine. It's like.
0: It looks good. Yeah, looks like really good. But uh, you know, there are some some more uh, subtle details, you know, Indeed. or shall we say not subtle <laughs> that you know. That's well, that's totally they different. Were, they were shot, you know, in an interesting manner. Oh yeah. So so what what uh, what would you say stood out to you?
1: Uh, I think to me the best effect. And the most like, kind of like enchanting visual effect in the movie was the Stargate itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the title of the movie. Had they got up, they got to make it good. You yeah, know? and
1: I mean, the music in that scene is really good too. But oh, yeah. the way they made the gate like open and close, it looks it looks spectacular. What with the wave, right? Yeah, like the way it, like,
0: yeah. So the the Stargate effect was actually rather complicated and is a composite of several different shots put together. Right. How? Including uh, a mixture of, I guess sort of, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say miniatures, but um, some uh, practical effects and some CGI. Right. It's all together. mixed
1: together. Yeah.
0: It's all mixed together. So basically the big wave that comes out at the beginning when the stargate opens right yeah that big splash of water that is them filming like the side of a yeah uh, i guess like an aquarium <laughs> is i guess the best way to put this yeah and they blast the surface with an air cannon
1: yeah exactly
0: so they're actually filming from where under the water is, right?
1: Right. So it's like a cross section of like you're seeing like uh, the inside of a uh, an aquarium.
0: Essentially, yeah. And then they they hit the uh the surface of the water with an air cannon and that makes the big wave. Uh and interestingly enough on the on the very first test of this, uh all the water came out of the tank and um it landed on the director of photography. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I guess yeah, they they set the, they set the pressure too high.
0: Yeah, for yeah, the yeah, air, exactly. The air pump,
1: so it just blew all the water out of the aquarium.
0: Yeah. They also have the uh the sort of swirling water kind of looking thing at the other end.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Which they called the strudel.
1: Yeah, I don't know why, but
0: Well, apparently uh Roland Emmerich was really a uh a, had a penchant for uh, pastries. <laughs> Did he now? And, and I, I think he said make it look like this strudel.
1: <laughs> so they called it a strudel. That's great. Yeah. Kind of looks like a strudel.
0: <laughs> that part was done with like actual water. Right. But then you also had the sort of the waves that had to, uh, that they actually had to walk through, right?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have to step into this.
0: So so there's part of that that was done with water, which is where James Spader's face actually goes into the...
1: Uh, the cl- the, the close-up of his face, yeah.
0: The close-up of his face, and you see it from the other side. So that's actually him dunking his face into some water and then sort of waiting until all the bubbles clear. And then he pulls his face out of the water and then they play that in reverse right, right, so that it's yeah, him putting his face into the water. Classic. So that's all the parts that were done with water.
1: Okay, so how did they do like the rest of the guys like walking so, into the gate?
0: So that's that's where the CGI comes in. Right, yeah. The way they did it is essentially they just filmed them walking into an empty gate.
1: <laughs> so exactly how you'd imagine, I guess.
0: And then they painted over it But one of the problems with that is that that figuring out exactly where they would make contact with the wave is actually fairly complicated, and you have to match perspective and everything. Right. So this is where the lasers come in. Oh, no. (laughs) What? So I'd seen lasers mentioned several times in sort of the literature, like, surrounding how they did this effect. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And I didn't really understand it until I saw a picture of it. Okay. And you can actually see this sort of in that documentary that you're talking about. Uh so essentially they they put a grid of lasers along the plane of the stargate.
1: Grid of lasers along the plane, okay. Yeah. Such
0: that when, for example, you're putting your hand through You would see like a green line go across your skin or several green dots go across your skin at the exact point at which you would be meeting the the way the, the water were it actually there. Right. So that. That's really smart. They can take that and they know exactly at which point they're intersecting it so that they can paint over right there. Because otherwise it would have been really hard to actually match the perspective. Yeah, that's... And see, see exactly where they're intersecting with the plane. And also, because the wave reacts to them touching it, they could see exactly when they touch it, when they make contact so that they can set off the effect, right? That is
1: really fucking smart. And
0: so um, you can see them in the documentary, they say, don't look directly at the laser. I saw that,
1: yeah, don't look directly into it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah i don't know maybe that had uh happened yeah, to somebody before. that's a
1: good way to get some vision issues yeah
0: so so they actually um uh for all this sort of stargate sequence they used uh a piece of software called uh wavefront composer <laughs> is that
1: exactly what it sounds like
0: no wavefront is actually just the name of the company that made it
1: oh hilarious (laughs) uh
0: interestingly actually the very next year it would be renamed alias wavefront composer (laughs) because it was purchased by uh silicon graphics who merged it with alias
1: hilarious alias which we have brought up many a time yeah we've
0: brought (laughs) brought up alias before but um anyway that was uh the program that they used to paint over all the different layers and have them match up, and it's also what the, how they did the face morphing.
1: Yes, the with the with the the mask.
0: Exactly. So that's uh that's sort of a an overview of how they shot it. I think.
1: Yeah, I think that that covers the, covers the, the, the interesting things. things that that I saw.
0: Yeah, and now that we've sort of gone over like how they they put the movie together. I think this this film warrants talking sort of a little bit about what happened after the movie came out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this movie, that's the bigger story.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's like,
1: you know, I think
0: we kind of talked about this or we kind of alluded to an issue we were having where yes. uh, every time we go on imdb and search
1: stargate (laughs) this movie doesn't come up this movie is not the first thing that comes up when you search stargate
0: right but so first of all when they put out the movie how did uh how did it go over like how did uh did a lot of people like it no no but did a lot of people go see it
1: yes yes (laughs) <laughs> so an Emmerich classic.
0: Yeah, so um it was uh you know, pretty successful. Um
1: Yes, we didn't mention the uh
0: We didn't mention it in the initial thing, but we did say that the budget was sixty five million dollars. Yes,
1: but we didn't mention how much it made, which we are now going to reveal. Yeah, it,
0: what do you want to guess?
1: I bet it made so fifty five million I bet it made 125 million.
0: Uh, north of there.
1: North of there? Okay. Yeah. Let's see. It made 250 million.
0: Okay. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> 196 million. Basically 200 million. Two, oh, wow, that's So pretty damn successful, yeah. Wow. Know?
1: Holy shit. That's a lot more than I would have expected.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know? Pretty damn successful. However, it was not well liked by the critics. <laughs>
1: I can't imagine why. I bet all of the the reviews were like, "It's a lot of fun, but it's a bad movie."
0: Uh, here's what what Roger Ebert had to say. Okay. He said, "The movie Ed Wood, about the the worst director of all time, was made to prepare us for Stargate."
1: <laughs> no.
0: And he gave the film one out of four stars, even less than he gave *Universal Soldier*.
1: No, Roger. <laughs> wow.
0: Apparently, *Stargate*. Yeah.
1: Rubbed in the wrong way, huh?
0: Yeah, he he was not a fan.
1: <laughs> That's it. I
0: don't know, man. I uh, I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I feel like all <laughs> yeah. look good. To- I mean, it's not. Not perfect, but like you know, it's a f- I enjoyed it's it. A fun
1: time. Yeah. Have some Lighten up, Roger.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: So it's, it's a, it's a spectacle. It's an achievement of special effects and uh, exactly. and, uh attrition. <laughs> yeah. So as you said, it doesn't end there, does it?
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Well, first off, I think it's worth mentioning that. Emric and uh Devlin really tried to get some sequels made.
0: They did. And from what I understand they didn't really ever stop.
1: Like even now? <laughs> yeah. Oh really? I did not know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. So we'll talk about we'll talk about that later, but um okay. Essentially, they tried to make some sequels but uh uh that i guess for whatever reason that wasn't happening
1: yeah so then like what there was like a novelization eventually that they went for
0: yes um but i i don't really know much about those
1: well because none of them really matter
0: <laughs> no um so essentially uh MGM has the rights to this movie because they you know did the uh the film. Yeah. Right. They sort of want to get into making some television series. Right. So they decide that Stargate is a good idea for that.
1: And it is. They were right.
0: Yeah. And so then they make Stargate SG-1.
1: It's a definitely a better TV show than it is a film franchise.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I definitely think like that was the way to go because like then we ended up with stargate sg1 which is fantastic in my opinion (laughs) i love stargate sg1 yeah
1: i i meant Um, to watch an episode um, and it didn't even stop there
0: you know okay you can watch you can watch it afterwards (laughs) but um yeah so it really sort of expands because i feel like you're left with a lot of questions
1: (laughs) yeah no shit
0: (laughs) the film like about like the whole world because like they built like this this whole world, but you only sort of like get this surface level, tiny like, little glimpse into it. into it. You get the tiny little glimpse into it. I don't want to know what else is there. Where else can the Stargate go? Exactly,
1: it says a point in space. I know. So that's that. That that is a great uh, statement. Great segue. Where else can it go? <laughs> Literally, where okay. else can it go? Tell me
0: anywhere else that there is a stargate.
1: Okay, so there's many stargates.
0: There are many stargates. So in the in the TV series there are many stargates on many planets.
1: Yeah, okay, here here this next bit is going to be me kind of getting I'm going to grill Jacob in about stargate because I have some questions about how it relates to the film. Yeah. So
0: so I won't tell you exactly who built the stargates, but it wasn't Ra.
1: Okay. It wasn't raw. I, um, it, I didn't nec- They 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 definitely left that open in the movie. They didn't necessarily yeah. say that there was only one other Stargate. They left that open as yes. well.
0: I mean, that kind of makes sense because they were talking about the you know the that it's just points in space. On yeah, the, exactly. On the it's rim, like you right? need six points. Yeah. It wasn't so the Stargate can go anywhere where there's a Stargate. And the uh it can even go to, you know, other galaxies.
1: The show is called Stargate SG-1, correct? Yes. Um, What does the SG-1 stand
0: for? Uh, SG-1 stands for Stargate-1. So the show is called <laughs>
1: Stargate-Stargate-1?
0: Well, sort of. Okay, so the, um... Okay, so the premise of the series is that uh, they start using the Stargate. Regularly. Uh, and that they have teams called SG-teams, which... Go through the Stargate to explore, you know, strange new worlds. Fucking rocking. <laughs> Seek out new life and new civilization. Yeah, right? sick.
1: That's awesome. What a great concept for a TV show. Yeah,
0: I know. But um, and so the 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 the, the team that the show is about is is SG One. Gotcha. Which uh, and on SG One is Daniel Jackson, Colonel O'Neill.
1: Okay. Who is Kurt Russell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colonel O'Neill.
0: Uh, Samantha Carter, who is a new character. Not in the film. Not in the film. And Teal'c. Teal'c. Who is a a Jaffa.
1: A Jaffa? Okay, what's a Jaffa?
0: Okay, so first, uh, we should talk about Ra. Okay. What is Ra? Do they ever really explain it? Not
1: really. I mean, he's an ancient alien. (laughs) He's an alien. that's
0: He's an ancient alien, but there's this whole thing about, like, you know... Having like a host and taking right, he's kind of like a bodies, parasite, right? right?
1: Yeah, and he like can, yeah. can occupy different creatures, and he chose humans. Yes, human.
0: so in in the show they elaborate on that like quite a bit, and so basically we find out that Ra was a guauld
1: guauld
0: who who is like a uh, they're like a little snake, gross, and uh, they can like crawl. In and like enter your body through the back of your neck.
1: Disgusting. Um But
0: and then they start controlling you. Didn't
1: we see Ra, like vaporize?
0: Um, kind of. Like there's a little bit of retconning I think between the show and the movie. Right. But like in the in the show, the Guawuld are like serpents. Gotcha. That like enter your body through the back of your neck.
1: So that kind of leads me.
0: And they are. The they posed as ancient Egyptian gods.
1: I mean, the whole ancient aliens is like super condescending to humanity, <laughs> like ancient humanity. What?
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> but, but anyway, back to what is a Jafar. So, um, actually, technically, I don't think there were any Jafar in the movie because the first time. But anyway, this. the Jaffa are the servants of the Oh, uh, Okay. And they are. They are like humans, except they have like a pouch in their stomach. Ugh. Oh, for Which the is, uh. It's, it's, it, yeah, so th- they carry a larval Gwauld inside their stomach. That's
1: disgusting. I hate that. Yeah. Ugh.
0: And, uh, it gives them, like, uh, you know, g- great strength. Ugh. But it, it, it requires them to be dependent upon the Gwauld.
1: So does Tilk have a Gwauld in his stomach?
0: He does. That's awful. Oh. But anyway, Tilk betrays the Gwauld because they're bad guys. Good for him. But yeah, so there's a bunch of Gwauld and we meet other uh other false gods like Apophis.
1: Are they all like so how where does Ra stand on the scale of like the show? Is he like do they encounter things way more intense than him?
0: I mean, yes and no. So Ra was supposed to be like the most powerful Gwaluld, and um, after he died, there was sort of like a power struggle. Yeah, vacuum. Between with the Gwaluld, right? Yeah. So there's sort of all these like these warring, uh, warring factions run by different Gwaluld. Gotcha. Who all take on the persona of like an old Earth deity.
1: Are they all Egyptian? No. Oh, so you have, like, Norse ones and stuff? Is Thor in there?
0: He is, but he's not a Gwa'ul. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: what is he?
0: He is an Asgard, who is another race of uh, aliens, who actually look quite a bit like the uh, the Roswell aliens. <laughs> and they're good guys.
1: Of course. Of course they are. Of course the Greys are the good guys. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh I recommend Stargate One. It's a great show.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna watch it after this. The movie had like it has me wanting more, I'll admit.
0: Yeah, no, I, I watched several episodes after having seen the movie. I haven't I haven't uh, looked at the show for a while, but yeah. Definitely uh piqued my interest again. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I have seen every episode. So. Of
1: course you have. Of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> it's got star um, in the title. Yeah.
0: Um It's got I uh, yeah. I haven't even seen every Star Wars film. Oh,
1: that's true. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other conversation. So yeah. what are your, what are your final thoughts on this film? I mean,
0: you know, it's a, it's a pretty decent film. It's fun. You know, it's, it's kind of dumb <laughs> in a couple, couple uh ways, mostly to just deal with the writing, but like, you know. It's well put together, and the best thing I can say about it is that you know it spawned the TV series of Stargate SG One, Stargate in general, really.
1: Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah, basically the same as you. It, it's dumb as hell in in almost every like detail. If you try and pick <laughs> it apart like that, but as like an as like a general piece, it's, like,
0: it's a cool concept. Yeah, it's you know? very
1: cool. It's like it's it just it's. Makes you look up, man. It makes you think. Well, I think deeply, it makes, but like
0: it makes you think about Asia Daily. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it just kind of makes you think, like, oh, like what else is going on here? Exactly. And I'm glad that they turned it into the exactly,
1: show. Exactly, because the show is perfect. It's just like there's so, it's it, it's such an uh, an open concept. There's like you can go basically anywhere with it.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's just such a shame that Roland Emmerich hates him too much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. He'll come around.
0: He'll come. Well, I don't think he ever. Will. Well, we'll get
1: him on the show, and you can try and convince him.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> all right,
1: he's invited on.
0: Uh, I think that's uh, that's all we got for this week, isn't yep.
1: it? That'll that'll sum us up for this week. That's everything we got on this right. this movie. We're gonna be back next week, as we always learn. Yeah. We'll-